you pointed out something that that kind of causes the stone wall in a lot of situations. You want the other person to be vulnerable first, or you want the other person to be real first. And I think this is true in family, but it's also true in romantic relationships or any any relationship that is meant to be really connected, where if you view the two of you as part of one team or one unit, it doesn't matter who's vulnerable first. It's like the result is we both win. Nobody wants to live their life stonewalled from their their family or someone they care about. Everybody wanted to be a family. They just didn't know how. People avoided conflict for that same reason. But the avoidance of conflict is what led to the dissolution of the family. Hey, man. How's it going? Hey. Pretty well. Cool. How are you? You look good. Is that that a new tattoo? Oh, no. I've had this for, for a good while now. Okay. Cool, cool. Well, good to see you. Yeah, so I didn't have a ton planned. I was just, uh, I wanted to start with the thread that I, I, I spoke to you about, um, and then we would just take it from there. Is that cool? Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, I actually I actually had no idea uh, what specific uh, familial pattern it was that I was tackling until I actually sat down and thought about it for, for a good while and uh, did a little bit of research in terms of uh, going to see my dad talking to my mom, that kind of thing, just kind of oh, cool. figuring out uh, the specifics. So, uh, yeah. Um, so I think that the main pattern that my family struggles with is stonewalling. Uh, uh-huh. Well, just, just for context, uh, so you and, I, you and I caught up a few months ago, um, and you said something that was interesting. You're, you're talking about, like, I mean, you could, I guess you're about to explain it in a second, but, like, you recognize there's a pattern that has been passed on. I think you're specifically referring to your mother and it's like affected you and your siblings. It's uh, you recognize it came from her mother. So maybe it's something that's been like going on for generations, like this kind of like pain or something has been being passed on for many generations. And then we, we were chatting and you were saying like, you're the only person who recognizes it. And then I just suggested the idea that like, that's your, your role in the family then because like if you're the one who sees it you know what i mean so um yeah i was thinking about this because i've been thinking about my own like we could call them ancestral patterns in different ways so i wanted yeah i wanted to open up this conversation with you on that okay yeah yeah and um actually even a couple years back i think back in 2021 uh we were talking about dominant versus subjective realities i don't know if you remember that episode that was actually the first uh-huh. time that it came up. Uh, we were talking about it and uh, I forgot how we got into the conversation, but it ended up, that was the first time I actually realized that there was a pattern that uh, was kind of trending throughout my family. And it was a, mm-hmm. a result of that conversation that I started to kind of focus on it more. Um, okay. So could you explain uh, like what the pattern is? I mean, you mentioned stonewalling. Like, what would have yeah. you noticed? Some some version of stonewalling. Uh, so uh, upon my research, I was able to talk to my dad. And mm-hmm. I actually didn't know this, but my dad's original father uh, wasn't the same dad that raised him. So mm-hmm. my dad was actually abandoned by his original father. Um, and from the way that he spoke about it, it seemed like he wanted nothing to do with uh, his, his father. Um, so I don't know if the, the, the exact pattern is stonewalling. I think it's more of a uh, something along those lines of like uh, 
being rejected by by a parental figure or uh, just not having that communication with it. Um, but yeah, my dad was hurt by his father. Uh, and then my mother, which is actually what we talked about in that episode I was just referring to, um, she was rejected by her dad. Uh, in, like he left as well? Like, uh, so my mom was very hurt by my dad uh, and my dad, or my grandpa, rather, her dad, uh, he, he was, uh, he wasn't very attentive to, to my mom and her, and her mom. And yeah. one day my mom told me the story that she sat down and asked him why he's not so present and why he uses his money more on his, uh, his girlfriends and his mother. And, and I mean, then his wife and his daughter aka my mom and his response was that they give him what she can't give him in terms of like sex and like uh sexual availability and ever since that day my mom has just uh had limited contact with my dad they really don't speak uh she decided that she's gonna cut him off uh kind of do everything herself but your grandpa was still married to your grandma no they weren't Uh, together Okay. Yeah. Um, but especially after that day, they just, my mom just decided to cut contact off from him completely, just do uh-huh. things on her own. Um, so she put that wall up in the same way that my dad uh, put a wall up against his father, should he ever come back. Um, he still, he doesn't even care where he is. Uh, so I just, I noticed those two patterns and they're very strong hurts. Uh, you know how you can just tell with the way that somebody's talking about something that they've been severely affected by it. Um, yeah, they both, you know, even to this day, the fact that they're, they're telling me these, these things and they're respectively 40 and 60 something years old is, uh, you know, it's a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. especially because these are things that happened in their childhood and, uh, right. It doesn't seem like they ever, ever got over it. Um, but anyway, uh, fast forward. Uh, then there was the first instance that I felt rejected was by my mother, uh, in a similar way. Uh, she was, uh, it was originally, I came to the United States when I was five and it was me, my mom, and my sister, uh, my mom was single. Uh, she was actively dating at the time and she was talking to a man on the computer, try to get her attention. Um, she turned around. Uh, yelled at me kind of made it seem like it was bad for trying to get her attention I felt rejected uh and then that's when I kind of started putting up a wall with her mm-hmm. uh and I started withholding love from that point on it was kind of like uh like okay uh, if my love is not good enough that's that's fine I'll look for it somewhere else and I just uh mm-hmm. ever since that day our our open natured relationship that we had of like uh hey you know, I'm your son and I, I like to give you flowers and this and that and like make you happy and whatever. Uh, it just, it didn't feel the same after that. Um, but then the biggest instance of it would also would be a couple years later uh, when I was 11 years old. This time I was, it was with my dad. Um, so I have a little brother. He's a half brother. Uh, mm-hmm. Same mom, different dad. But my father took him on uh kind of 
in the same way that his adoptive father took him on. He took my half brother on. And uh, one day we were just outside, uh, we were playing. Uh, I was 11. Um, my little brother was like seven years old. And uh, he came and he kept trying to throw a ball at me. I, I didn't feel like playing anymore. And he wouldn't stop. Uh, so I, I eventually took the ball and just kind of like tossed it out of anger. He went and told my dad. And then my dad came out, started screaming at me. Um, in a very condescending tone, and I felt rejected in that moment. This is your and, biological dad, or no? Yes, yeah. So your and, parents got back together after not being together? No, but they were they were close enough in in geography that they were raising us. Uh, ah, you know, okay, I see. Taking turns, and they also uh-huh. both owned. They worked at the same place. Uh, my mom owns a grocery store, and they both worked there. So I would see them gotcha. every so often, all the time. Gotcha. Uh, it's interesting though, that there's like already like a pretty like distinct pattern of like the kids having to compete with your parents lover almost like like your mom in a way was like feeling competitive with how her dad was with other people. And then you felt like you needed to compete with who your mom was trying to date. Yeah. And then my dad, whose adopted father took him on. And then he's taking on my little brother as his adoptive father. It's like very uh-huh. similar in terms of like and there, and like karma. There's no tie between your biological dad and your half brother, right? Because your parents no. weren't even together. No. So he's raising, he's just raising someone else's kid because he's in the same house as his son, his children, right? Yeah, and yeah, and my. My half brother's father was out of the picture, so mm-hmm. you know he he kind of needed that figure, and my dad stepped in at that point. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about the that same dynamic? Yeah, of that was. Uh, I didn't. I didn't actually have a problem with it. So this event happened, and um, it was such a big deal for me because I, I. That's when it actually came up. Uh, you know, it was like I never actually. I never had an issue with it until this happened. And then it was like, oh, like, why would you choose to take this person's side over your own flesh and blood? I mean, that's, I know it's, it's wrong to think about, but like, that's exactly what I was thinking about in the moment. And, uh, and after that, um, I felt embarrassed and I felt rejected. And I, we actually didn't talk for a couple of years after that. And that was the first major instance of, uh, of stonewalling where I was a, a part of it, active part of it in my family. Um, and yeah, it was, a. Uh, it remained that way through high school um, where me and my dad were just minimally, unless we actually absolutely had to talk. Um, but we just, we just didn't. And uh, things just went unaddressed. Eventually I, I turned old enough to go to college and uh, I kind of left. Uh, so I spent four years in college. Uh, I didn't really see my family like that. And a couple months here and there, coming back from uh, summer vacation and breaks and that kind of stuff. But for the most part, I was away from all of this, from all of the, um, you know, the stonewalling, the lack of communication and when it comes to conflicts uh, with my with my dad and me, with uh, my mom, with uh, all sorts of things. Um, 
And while I was in college, my sister actually ran away from home. Um, and so her and my mom had their own episode where she ran away from home. They weren't talking for a good time. Towards, the, towards my senior year of college, my sister came back home. And that's when she actually ended up, uh, they, were, they were still cold towards each other, not necessarily communicating, but they were living in the same place again. Um, so that's something important to note for later. Damn, I didn't realize this was so complicated, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And yeah I, 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 I thought I, we were just going to talk about like anger being passed on, but this is, this is really interesting. Yeah, I, I actually didn't either until I, I sat down and actually started going through the history of it. And I was able to pinpoint these events and kind of like see the connection and the thread of it and how it ultimately comes around full circle. It's, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. But uh, yeah, um, come back home from college. Uh, so the state of the house, right? My mom and my sister are not talking. And mind you, I was forced to move back home because I graduated college after COVID. So 2020, uh, special circumstances, I was kind of forced back into my familial home, if you may. Um, so kind of forced to confront these patterns that I hadn't been um, around too much for the past four years or so. And, um, and yeah, uh, coming back home, my mom and my sister were at odds. Uh, yeah. My mom, my, my sister and my half-brother were at odds with each other. Uh, I was still, I still had a shaky relationship with my father uh, after, after what happened when I was a kid. Um, so everything was just in, the house was in disarray, you know, uh, it was, it was like full on lack of communication. Everybody was stonewalling. Nobody was addressing conflicts. It was a very uh, toxic environment to be in. And it just, it wasn't very conducive to, to what a family should be. Um, and actually, this was this was actually around the same time where uh, we started recording podcasts. Uh, I, rem- I I noted here like this room we started creating like the Lover Archetype episodes. So I was really exploring a lot of these things and like mm-hmm. um, in my own life. Uh, and I was under a lot of pressure in terms of like you know I just graduated college, looking for work. I was living on the couch since I didn't really have my own place at the time. That's why I was recording on the the car when we made right. our episodes. Um, and it was just a, an existential crisis, if you may. And I decided to just control and tackle what I could. Um, and I started with my dad. You know, that was the biggest, biggest event uh, in terms of this pattern that I encountered with my life. Uh, and so I reached out to my dad. And I told him, let's grab drinks. And uh, we picked out a day. Uh, we went out for drinks. And we sat down. We had a conversation where we just aired everything out and in hindsight getting alcohol involved was probably not for the best but we did air out all our conflicts we aired out everything that we had to talk about everything that's happened in the past um you know how i felt he told me how he felt and some of the reasons why he did things and uh it got very heated you know the staff in the restaurant even noticed it uh, thank God the music was very loud in the place. Otherwise, I'm pretty sure at some point we screamed over the music. And we came to this sort of stalemate that was the perfect embodiment of this pattern. And we sat there in silence for like 30 minutes, just staring at each other, uh, not really saying anything in the same way oh. that we went four years. Yeah. 
in the same way that we went four years without saying anything. And the whole time in my mind, I was just thinking I could speak up, but I shouldn't. It's not my responsibility. I'm not the father. I'm not the father. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. It's not my responsibility. And so eventually I just caved in and I started talking to him again. Um, in that conversation, you mean? In that conversation, after 30 minutes of silence, uh, I just decided to put my ego aside. I said, I'll be the one to do it. And I just spoke to him. And um, the conversation was, it was more lighthearted afterward, um, considering that we already aired out our conflicts. And now the possibility of, uh, of us talking and then leading to to it's like the worst had already happened right we sat there in silence um and conflict was no longer going to lead to us just disconnecting from each other so we had a conversation i wouldn't say that our our relationship improved immediately uh but after that conversation our relationship did improve drastically um <clears throat> you know i felt like i could talk to my dad and i felt like i could come to him if I had an issue or if he had an issue and it wouldn't lead to, to us uh, kind of stonewalling each other and not talking about it and felt like we could face issues. Uh, and I started, I started using that as a template for the rest of my family. Um, I took that experience of like, hey, you know, humble yourself. Um, nobody, I, not that nobody's going to do it, but you might as well be the one to do it because everybody's just going to to keep playing that same game of like, I'm not talking to you and the conflict that we have right now is not something that, it's not something that merits that kind of reaction. I guess yeah, that's I just out something because like, I think a lot of people, uh, I mean, you pointed out something that, that kind of causes the stone wall in a lot of situations, whether it's family or intimate relationships, it's like you want the other person to be vulnerable first. Or you want the other person to be real first. And it's like, it's kind of a, it's just like a, it's a Mexican standoff essentially, you know, for it's like anybody can do it. And that, that idea that the other person has to do something for me first, it really just comes from this idea that, okay, we are separate people. We are separate entities who have to like have a business relationship. Whereas like, and I think this is true in family, but it's also true in romantic relationships or any, any relationship that is meant to be really connected where, if you view the two of you as part of one team or one unit, it doesn't matter. Like, it's like, this is like an internal issue. It doesn't matter who's, who's being like vulnerable first. It's like the result is we both win. I mean, nobody wants to live their life stonewalled from their, their family or someone they care about. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the separation that we were having. We just weren't able to see each other as a one in another it wasn't a win-win. Like if you, it was more like if you gave in first, then you were in the wrong, or or at least that's how I, I saw things with my family. Yeah, and did you, did you recognize like what the root of your dad's behavior was? I'm, I'm guessing that in the conversation you recognized that he was hurting too. Yeah, I mean he he, we also talked about his dad and. You know, he he told me how he 
his dad just wasn't there for him. And I guess he took that as his, uh, his green light to kind of do the same, you know, my dad wasn't there for me. So I, I don't feel like I have to, or my dad didn't want to open this, this communication with me. So it's like for him, uh, why should he open it for others? At least that's what I got from the conversation. Yeah. It's interesting. Like uh, no matter how much, how many books you read or ideas you pick up, like your upbringing largely sets the tone for what you think is normal or at least what you revert to, especially when things are stressful. It's like, you know, like it probably wasn't even conscious, like somewhere in the back of his head is like, well, my dad didn't, my dad did this. So like, I could always go back to that. Anything I do extra is maybe a bonus on some maybe subconscious level. And it kind of, you know, you just mentioned templates, but it's like our upbringing sets the template for how we kind of deal with, uh, deal with that situation later. Yeah. Yeah. I think with him, it was, it was a, a lot of it was that, like you said, like his dad showed him how to be, and that's kind of how he approached issues. He always had an issue with being vulnerable, uh, with actually addressing things. I think it was just all around my family. Like if somebody did something to someone else, the person, it could very easily go away just by not talking about it. It's easier to not talk about it than to yeah. be vulnerable and talk about it. This is actually, so this is like the crux of why I wanted to talk to you. It's like, it's it's actually such a big deal to break a pattern because I mean who knows like what your great grandfather was like to your grandfather your great I mean like this could have been a behavior that's been passed on for like three hundred years like or more like who knows it's like it's actually a huge deal to be the one that breaks a certain pattern because uh, otherwise we're just like following evolution essentially it's like your dad did this the next generation the next generation the next generation so. You know, I don't know if, you, if you're planning on having children or whatever, but I, I mean, I'm noticing this in myself, like as a new parent, how much I tend to do things. If I don't know what to do, if I'm not conscious about it, I tend to do things the way my dad did, just because like, that's, that's my template, you know? And some of those things are good, but some of those things I don't want to do. And it's like, it takes a lot of effort to go against that because all of my feelings, like all of my programming or conditioning is, is following the mold that I received. Right. Yeah, that's what your idea of fatherhood is. And so that's where you draw your, your inspiration from. Mm -hmm. And I only managed to, uh, you know, track it back to my grandparents. So I'm sure if I sit down and have a, enough conversations with my parents, I can possibly find something else with their grandparents, you know, where they've had instances and in their grandparents where, because this is a very clear pattern of just a, you know, parent, child, some sort of, conflict that was just not addressed and it led to a break in, a breakdown in communication between the two it's interesting thinking also like we think of our behaviors because we're all con we're conscious humans we think of our behaviors as something we chose to do but when you look at how okay i do th this 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 way but my dad did this and my grandpa did this and it's, it's like it's like the behavior is not even yours anymore like it's really just like an archetype that's like being passed on like more than like i can say like oh i am doing this which I think also for, at least for me, makes me feel more compassion for people I'm mad at, like whether it's people I'm related to or just people I know. It's like a lot of who we are isn't like I, it's like something that we inherited or something that was conditioned into us. And it kind of takes like a less egoic view of, of people's personalities. Yeah. I think that also we, we take it in 
and it becomes so automatic because it is unconscious that at times we could get attached to it in the same way that my dad saw it as like his go-to coping strategy. Mm -hmm. Like I can, I can sit here and tell you that I've never seen my dad be vulnerable and he never has, even when his, when his mom died, you know, he was devastated by it, but he never let it show. Uh, I heard stories from other people who lived with him that he would go to his room and he would stay there for hours. He wouldn't eat. Um, then when I saw him, it was a completely different person. He just never let it show. I don't know what it is about vulnerability. It's just hard for him to do. Um, okay. But you were saying, uh, so you took that as a template with the rest of your family? Yeah, yeah. After that night with my dad, I, I started taking that as a template. Um, in a way, I was kind of freed that night because it was like, hey, I see this pattern and I decided to step outside of it. Like, hey, I'm not going to play into this anymore. I'm just, screw it. I'm just going to say my piece, said my piece. And it opened up uh, more communication. And from then on, I just I completely started actively attacking it uh, in my house. Um, I started being a better brother. Uh, I started being a better son. Uh, you know, I started airing out past hurts at a random. I, one time when we were kids, I pushed my sister out of, uh, out of anger. And she, she hit her head on, on a door and broke one of her tooth. And for some reason, someday, one day, I just went up to her. I apologized to her uh, out of the blue. And you could tell it meant a lot to her because she started crying. Uh, we hugged. And, like, that was so powerful because it was like, you know, I caused that. And for the longest time, I just, I never addressed it. And I never let her know. Like, just, just the fact that I let her know had so much meaning to her. And it went mm -hmm. such a long way to repairing our relationship. Because yeah, it's like that. I mean, the things you keep bringing up, they're like they're pattern interrupts essentially. Like everyone's kind of following their own program of like they're not thinking so consciously. It's like okay, I'm mad at him. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. He's going to behave this way. But then you come and behave a different way, and it forces people. I mean, in, in hypnosis, they call this a pattern interrupt. It's like something that gets people's attention and like breaks them out of their you know zoned out day to day, which is gives you an opportunity to change things. You know, and it's true, even in an individual person, like in terms of self-improvement, like we're all kind of following programs, but if you want to change your life, you kind of have to do something drastic that like, it's like, oh, this is not regular life anymore. This is not life I expected anymore. And it seems like you're like, you're the one who does that for your family. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you know the monkey experiment where there's a monkey in a room and then they start introducing uh, new monkeys but it's like something like a monkey will will climb a ladder or something let's say like they're doing something they'll climb a ladder and then get off the ladder and then the monkey will see it and do the same thing and then each new monkey sees the other monkeys doing the same thing and they start joining in just because it's what everyone else is doing it's kind of what it felt like because everyone in the family that's how everyone approaches problems and conflict with each other there's no open communication and then you came like, along and you kicked over the ladder basically. yeah and so it's through the ladder uh, we're not doing this anymore um but yeah, like our, 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 our relationship got better after that. I was, I actively started attacking the, the issue, uh, just kind of airing out everything that I felt like I, I caused and uh, set my ego aside and just went to work on that. And things got better. You know, my relationship with my mom, my sister, uh, my half brother, uh, my dad um, improved drastically over the following months after we had that conversation 
Um, but it doesn't come so easy. Uh, and then one day we all went out to eat at a restaurant and we went out to eat as a family, which is very rare for us. And I noticed that I was the focal point of the conversation. Uh, my brother was talking to me, my sister was talking to me, but they were not talking to each other. And I think that they also noticed that in that conversation. Um, so How do you feel I, about the I felt, I felt, uh, it felt good, but I also, I felt a sense of guilt too, just because they weren't, it was me and I didn't like that because it wasn't, it wasn't attention. It was more of a, like, you're talking to me just because you can't talk to each other. So it, it was kind of awkward in that sense. And I wish that they would talk to each other. You know, that's ideal. I don't want to have to keep carrying that. Um, and eventually that did lead to different patterns um, towards the end of things. But anyway, uh, they, they, they realized that as well. They realized the potential of what could have been after this, this outing that we had, where it was like my sister wasn't talking to my little brother, my little brother wasn't talking to my sister, but they both were talking to me. So they weren't talking to each other. And I think they all noticed that. I noticed that it was very obvious. Anybody mm -hmm. who was sitting at the table noticed it. Um, after that, I noticed that there were conversations that started happening uh, around my family without me. Um, like good things, like my mom and my sister started talking more. Uh, my little brother and my mom started talking more. My little brother and my sister started talking more. Um, and I noticed that... Uh, their the relationship seemed to, to be improving amongst all of them. I think they all uh, kind of came to the realization that things don't have to be the way that they were. Um, and I think it took me knocking that ladder off to, to kind of wake them up to that. And they all started stepping out of their own, uh, this, this same pattern. They started having conversations amongst each other. Um, and we were able to, like, I remember recently, even uh, for Thanksgiving, we, we were able to sit down and just have a nice chat as a family. You know, it, it was very drastically different from where we were at the restaurant. People were talking amongst each other, uh, with each other, with me. It was just open communication. It felt like the walls of communication that were there previously had had started to to come down and uh and that's uh that's where the the pattern kind of comes to an end for now mm -hmm. um has anyone acknowledged your role in all of this uh no okay but How do you i feel think about it never being acknowledged i'm okay with it mm -hmm. i i really can i um, you know, it's like one of those things that if you can do it and if you're the only one that can do it, you might as well do it. Um, I do, I do hear a lot of quotes about how, uh, the black sheet of the family is usually the one that, uh, is the disruptor person that comes in. And I don't mind taking on that role, especially when it's, uh, you know, my, my benefit is the, my satisfaction is the seeing the change. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that. And I think, if anything, uh, because I took on that role, I was able to 
kind of unlock a part of myself that was locked in this, stuck in that, um, which was like, because I was trying to be an active fixer all the time, I was giving a lot of my power away and I was trying to fix other people's issues. And mm-hmm. towards the end of, towards the end of, um, like I, after that restaurant, uh, in hindsight, I, I couldn't see, well, hindsight is 2020, right? But after that restaurant, after seeing like the lack of communication amongst themselves, I felt defeated. Um, I felt like all my efforts were for nothing. And it was like, like, what's the point? If I'm going to be making the effort, they're not going to make the efforts to, to break down these barriers of communication. And it was just like, I started isolating myself, uh, kind of like withholding my energy. Um, yeah, because you and I started talking about this, uh, I think, I mean, we we're obviously probably talking about your growth or your development or something like that. And somehow this led to your mother or something like that. Uh, do you feel like your balls got bigger? Or do you feel like you leveled up throughout this experience? Yeah, definitely. Have you seen it show up in other areas? Um, yeah, actually, I, I don't, I don't feel as bad uh, saying no. I don't feel as guilty about, uh, I guess codependency is less of a thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas before I felt like I had to help people and I do, I do like helping. Um, but now if it's, if I see the, the energy that it takes to help or to assist is more than I'm willing to give, I'll happily retract and not do it. Mm. It's like I'm more, I'm more in control of my power. Yeah. It sounds like you believe more deeply in your worth. Worth and not taking on other people's shit. And I remember mm. that you told me that one time when we were talking, uh, and I think that's, it's one of the themes, um, just not taking on other people's shit. Uh, even though in order to get through this pattern and kind of break it, I had to take on other people's shit. But it was because I took on everyone's shit and realized that I don't want to take on everyone's shit. That nowadays I'm more happier not taking on people's shit and yeah. actually have an idea of like, hey, I don't want to take on people's shit. And I can say no to that. It will sounds like like you like uh, attacked. The, I mean, you said the word attack, like you attacked the problem so that it wouldn't be a problem anymore. And I, I brought this up in the episode on how to fight with your girlfriend. It's like a slow, drawn out fight or ignoring a fight is worse than like, if you're going to have a fight, have the fight to end the fight. You know what I mean? And it sounds like you do that with your family. It's like, we're going to have the, or we're going to have the yelling match with your dad. That's going to allow connection again. Right. And I didn't see it that way at the time. I just kind of saw it as like, uh, um, I need some semblance of control in my life uh, mm-hmm. at that point in time, because I just didn't have it anywhere else. And I started attacking what I could control, which was that. And that was the thing that I kind of drawn myself to. I could control, um, you know, my relationships and how I show up in them. Cool. So, uh, have other things been? And you moved out of the house a few months ago, right? Yeah, I moved out of the house. Uh, I yeah, I moved out of the house. Uh, I actually lost my job that very month of moving out. Oh, yeah. towards the end of November. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. I think he lost her job like two days after we spoke or something, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, and I spent that time looking for a new job. I got a new job. I've been taking Muay Thai classes. I just feel, um, just kind of been enjoying the alone time. After that whole saga, uh, I've been living on my own now for three months and I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's free. Cool. So do you feel like you're, you as Noel free or free of the pattern? Yeah. I don't see the, the value in, in cutting off communication. If anything, mm-hmm. I, I see, I see the value now in communicating and actually talking about things that nobody wants to talk about, uh, the elephant in the room, that kind of thing. And, uh, I noticed this recently when I went back home, uh, they do kind of fall back into it sometimes, but you know, I was home. Uh, my mom, she said something my little brother didn't like, and he kind of got offended. You could tell. Uh, he got a little quiet, and I made a joke out of it because it's not that big of a deal at this point in time for me. And I was just like, oh, like, uh, are you going to make – because his <laughs> it's so stupid. But he's going through puberty, and one of his nipples is, is bigger than the other. And I was like, why are you making fun of his pepperoni nipples? And, and I just – you know, like, they take it so seriously. and. It's it's really not, and uh, I don't know. It's it's empowering now because it's like I can see it and I can like it doesn't hold as much weight as it did in the past. You know, in the past, if like if I was on the outside of it, if it was two of my family members going at it, nobody else got involved. Even the parents was just like, okay, like that's how they're going to deal with it. Nobody said, hey, like maybe you guys should talk to each other. And even recently, my mom and my little brother had. Uh, little argument they were both sending me texts about it yada yada I told both of them hey you have a mouth you have ears talk to each other that's it I didn't I didn't and I feel like the old me in the past would have called both of them like hey what's going on like what's the problem the new me just hey you know you guys can deal with this you're an adult it's your son that's your mom you can talk about it and I feel like that's perfect representation of how how I've changed as a person as a result of tackling this and reflecting on it and and finally getting past it. Awesome. Um, do, you, do you remember that book that you recommended? It was about uh, generational patterns and it was about a village, um, 100 Years of Solitude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah, remember that. recommending that, but yeah, it's one of my favorite, favorite books. It's my goal to be able to read it in Spanish. I'm very far away from it, but yeah. Eventually. You're in Mexico, so you have plenty of time yeah. to practice. What about it? But uh, yeah, I was, uh, I, was, I was just thinking about that book. I, I haven't read it, but I, I was reading <laughs> okay. the synopsis of it. If you like fiction at all, it's just such a good book. You'll get the audio book. It, it's great. Is it the same general idea of like uh, a family dealing with something generation after generation? It keeps uh, it's a little bit more fantastical than say your story. It's like, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit, a bit, it's like, it's called magical realism. So it goes into, it, I don't know. It's just a, such an interesting book. Like it, it tells the story of a family over, I think like seven or 10 generations or something. And like, uh, and basically all the pain they go through. 
um, which I think is representative of different things. I actually think the book is, I think I read this, the book is supposed to represent the generations of Colombia as a country. But um, anyways, yeah, it's a good book. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. I already have it on my reading list. But, uh... Cool, man. So you and I met like two years ago. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I'm just re-realizing it now, I guess. Like yeah, that was when I... Like a hundred podcasts. Something <laughs> like that. I think it was one of podcast episode where you said, hey, I'm looking for uh, uh, somebody to mentor. And I was like, hey, like, uh, you know, I yeah. really resonate with what you were saying. And I really enjoyed your podcast episodes. Like I, could, like, I was going through them like, uh, like low main. And I reached out. That's when we started talking. Eventually had the first episode and the rest is history but yeah like two years ago around there pandemic times give or take yeah good times <laughs> yeah you yeah. Man, well, covered a lot of what i wanted to get into actually it wasn't what even what i was expecting i thought we were going to speak a little bit more abstractly about like passing on stuff but it was nice to hear your story and, and like that you, you you actually gave us kind of concrete examples of the things one could do when you're the one in the family that you recognize there's something going on. And I, and I, you know, I was, I think all of this applies to someone who like not even in direct uh, necessarily connection with your family members. It's like you, we, we all carry are carrying patterns, whether you call them wounds or, or behaviors or whatever from our upbringing. And there might even be a genetic component to it. Like it gets passed on, you know, not necessarily through nurture, but through nature. And I do believe that if you recognize you have a pattern, you're the, you have the ability to change it and it could have a ripple effect for your whole family and your, your descendants. Right. It's a relationship for a reason. There's two sides to it. And, you know, you, you can both agree to the, to the same pattern to the same way of going about things or one of you can change it and show the other one how it's done uh, or that there's a better way. Sometimes people don't understand that there's a better way. And that's kind of what I got from, uh, from this journey, just kind of, uh, they didn't know any better. Um, and even if they did, they wouldn't, they didn't understand that actually stepping outside of it is, is what leads to, to what everybody wanted. Because everybody wanted it. Everybody wanted to be a family. They just didn't know how. They didn't know how it worked. People avoided conflict for that same reason. But the avoidance of conflict is what led to the dissolution of the family. Because nobody was talking about the conflicts and they would just fester and break apart communication. And then it's like, come the holidays, you know, there's, there's still like, oh, so-and-so, we're still not talking can't really talk to so-and-so about this people would like at some point uh, I would come back from college and they would all just be in the rooms kind of separated from each other but yeah like it, it comes down to to that to realizing like uh, that you do have the power to change these patterns that can go on for so long and yeah. if you don't if you don't then they're just going to keep going on and they'll be passed down generation after generation. Yeah. Until and like you, uh, good. No, I finished. Oh yeah. I, uh, it's just like you raised the fidelity of everyone's reality. It's like for everyone to be going the whole year 
kind of cold and then only acknowledging during the holidays like oh shit we're not we're still not talking it's like that's a, such a huge dark spot in someone's existence like really push that out of their mind to i mean i'm sure your your family members weren't thinking about it every day maybe they were and like stewing in resentment but probably they were just like ignoring it and numbing out and by doing this even having you know the yelling match with your dad it's like it's like you turn the dial up and everybody's like seeing real life again so i think it's like a big deal philosophical or even you go spiritually if you want um you planning on having kids i do I do. Cool. Well, I think this um, is a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I hope your kids yeah. can watch this in the future and recognize when they're pissed off at you, if they're ever pissed <laughs> off at you, recognize the work that uh, their dad did. Yeah, and that's actually uh, one of the reasons that I, I try to be very self-reflective because I want to raise my kids to be the best that they can be. And I understand the role that a father and a mother has in, in passing that down in, in passing down the right mindset and taking care of their emotions and nurturing them to, to be the best individual that they could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's part of the reason I, I also like felt like this was my duty to do uh, to my family and to my kin. And, uh, and yeah, man, I, I, I also appreciate you, you know, bringing this up because I wouldn't have sat down and actually saw it like I always knew that there was a pattern there, but I didn't understand what the pattern was. I just, I just, I just real, I just saw the change from some efforts that I was doing, but I didn't know what they were concretely until I sat down and started journaling. And now that's, you know, I could give myself that credit. And it feels good. And I yeah. can pass it down. Cool, cool, man. It was great catching up as always. Uh, yeah, keep me in the loop. We'll talk again next year, I guess. <laughs> I'll have you on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a pleasure seeing you, man. Thank you for having me. For sure. Truth, I dress-